I, I think what I've been able to see working with athletes is that having visibility into their own data, it just it is just a game changer. It motivates behavior change. And I and I think that's what was really inspiring to me. And again, one of the reasons I joined Whoop is is I saw this as an athlete empowerment tool. How you doing? Brian Kane, your Peak Performance Coach here with the Peak Performance Podcast. And today, groundbreaking technology. Not only are we going live video podcast where you as Inner Circle members get to experience the podcast before it comes out live, you also get to ask questions and get to interact with our guest. Speaking of our guest today, Kristen Holmes Wynn. She's the Vice President of Performance Optimization at Whoop, a fascinating new wearable technology helping peak performers unlock their potential by measuring and uncovering secrets that your body is trying to tell you about recovery, regeneration, and performance. Today on the podcast, Kristen takes us deep into the trenches with WHOOP, the science, and explains how their technology is leading to breakthroughs in performance. Now, before joining WHOOP, Kristen was an NCAA national championship winning field hockey coach. She led the Princeton University Tigers. That's right. The Ivy League Princeton University Tigers, no scholarships to the 2012 NCAA national championship. It gets better. She won 12 Ivy League titles in 13 seasons. She had a winning percentage in her career of 940. This puts her amongst the all-time college coaching greats. And not only did she excel on the the NCAA level as a coach, she also won six national championships as head coach of the USA Women's High Performance Team. As an athlete, she was a member of Team USA Field Hockey for six years, winning a World Cup. It was also a three-time All-American as a field hockey player and women's basketball player for the University of Iowa Hawkeyes. Please welcome to the Peak Performance Podcast, Vice President of Performance Optimization at Whoop and one of the most successful coaches in NCAA history, Kristen Holmes Wynn. Kristen, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's a real honor, Brian. Now, I got to ask you, before we get into Whoop, because our, our audience is coaches, Yeah, you're, you're winning 12 out of 13 Ivy League championships, and you win a national championship, and then you step down and change careers to go work with Whoop. What was the decision behind doing that? I guess I just, you know, I, I loved Princeton. I loved coaching, and I wouldn't say that my passion for coaching had waned at all. I just became really interested in just technology as a way to foster and enhance performance, and I I started getting, uh, I guess, started nerding out um, at Princeton um, in the computational biology department and statistics and machine learning and started kind of, um, I really wanted to solve this question of, you know, my athletes are with me for two to three hours, you know, what's happening the other 21 hours and, you know, how do they um, understand what habits, what behaviors are going to lead to optimal performance. So I just started kind of down this journey, really almost a decade ago to figure out, you know, how, what can we do in our environment, in, in our practice environment to really think about the physiology on a, on a deeper level um, and really try to leverage everything we can from that standpoint in the sense of, you know, how do I know how to train my athlete? And I, and I really wanted to answer that question. And, and really when I dialed into it and I, and I got some technology for, you know, when my athletes were in my environment, you know, it was still that open question of, okay, well, they get to my practice environment what can they do leading up to that moment to really um, 
ensure that they're ready to go firing on all cylinders. And that that was really the question I was trying to solve. And, and that's what really led me to whoop. And um, it, it's a it's a it's weird to kind of pivot out of coaching um, because most of us don't really do that. But I think for me, it was just a new challenge. Um, you know, the team went to the final four last year, Princeton. So I, I certainly didn't leave the cupboard bare by any means. Um, so they just kind of kept trekking, trekking along, which makes me really happy. But um, but yeah, I just I just need a new challenge, I guess. Well, fantastic. I think what you know, as as a coach at the elite level. And you know, a lot of the coaches that are on this podcast and listening to this, I think one of the areas that we often overlook, undertrain, undereducate on, and it could be the source of maybe our greatest competitive advantage is recovery. And I think yes. that's really what attracted me when I heard from Nikki Parsley, field hockey coach at Liberty University, who I think you probably met through through either Team USA or through coaching yes. the Ivy League when she was at Yale. And yep. she talked about how Whoop is really putting metrics, which in the 12 pillars of peak performance is pillar four, knowing your numbers. And, and she locked it up with how can we quantify and measure recovery at a deeper level so that our teams can perform and our athletes can perform at a higher level. So if you would, I know you've put together an awesome presentation here about Whoop. I'm going to put that up on the screen and kind of have you share that. And then for the yeah. inner circle members that are on this call, please post any comments, post any questions that you have for Kristen, either about Whoop, about recovery, about coaching and the mental game at, at Princeton. We'll tap into that side of it as well. And we'll awesome. rock and roll. So let me pull up the, the presentation here and uh, go ahead and, and rock and roll. Yeah, so Whoop at our core is a data and analytics company. Um, from the wrist, forearm, or bicep, um, we collect key measures of heart rate, heart rate variability, um, ambient temperature, and three-axis motion. These measurements are used uh, by our data science platform to ins obtain insights into sleep, uh, recovery, and, and strain to provide recommendations for athletes on how they can optimize decisions that influence their ability to perform. Um, Whoop also provides a platform that I'll get into a little bit later as well um, that enables uh, coaches and trainers uh, to better understand both individual and group performance. So we have kind of an athlete visual. Um, that's the app. That's where the, the athletes live. Um, and then we also have the coach platform, which you kind of see that's the bigger screen, um, the, the, the bigger visual on the on the screen that you're looking at right there. And then, of course, this, as Brian mentioned, this is the collection method. It's a wrist-worn device, but you can also wear it on your, on your forearm, um, as many of our um, athletes do when they weightlift, or on the bicep, as many of our, our football players, our, some of our baseball players, um, soccer players, you know, they wear it on their, on their, um, on their bicep. Um, so on this slide, I, I really just put this together just to kind of show that we're working with a lot of different folks across a lot of different leagues and conferences. Um, you know, we're really proud of um, the of really everyone that we're, we're able to work with and, and really honored. Um, you know, I think one of uh, our, our main missions at, at WHOOP and, and one of the reasons why I joined is, is we really do aim to be a thought leader in exercise uh, physiology. Um, we're always pushing the envelope to, to understand um, our product better, but also understand, you know, the underpinnings um, as it relates to the physiology behind um, and the science behind our platform. We did a huge uh, study with Major League Baseball, which I'll, I'll dig into the data from that study uh, in a little bit. Um, really interesting insights into um, performance and, and recovery. And then most most recently, um, Corey Stringer Institute out of, in, out of University of Connecticut did a did a, a, a real a year long study, and they're about to announce the results of that at the National Strength Division Conference in July in, in Vegas. 
and they were able to really, um, I think, draw some pretty pretty powerful correlations between um, between uh, 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 whoop recovery and um, and recovery metrics, sleep recovery, heart rate variability. I'm sorry, sleep resting heart rate and heart rate variability and performance in athletes. So we're excited for that announcement. So this is really the um, the athlete view. So this is the the, the mobile app, um, and this is like I said, this is really where the the athletes um, lives. This is where they spend um, bulk of their time. On the left is uh, strain, and strain is is essentially a summary statistic of cardiovascular load. So basically, how hard your heart is working. And I'll dig into that a little bit deeper. But um, basically, strain zero to twenty one scale, and it builds um, across the day. So it's logarithmic, not linear. Um, I think that's important to note. Um, and uh, it basically takes into account, um, you know, everything from non-workout strain as well as workout strain. And I'll explain why that's really, really important. And every coach has to understand that because um, uh, it's not just workout strain that impacts um, the well-being of your, of your student athletes. Um, and then recovery, um, this is basically how capable your body is to take on strain. Uh, and then sleep performance uh, tells uh, the athlete how close they, they are to meeting their uh, sleep need for that night. And that's a, a zero to 100 percentage. Uh, and they kind of get that percentage and that factors into their recovery. And I'll explain that in a bit as well. Um, so I think what's really cool, and just to go back one second, um, Brian, into just the, the, the three pillars, I, I think what I've been able to see working with athletes is that having visibility into their own data it just it is just a game changer. It motivates behavior change. And I, and I think that's what was really inspiring to me. And again, one of the reasons I joined Whoop is, is I saw this as an athlete empowerment tool. Um, most of the time, athletes don't have visibility in their own data. They arrive at a practice facility. Um, you know, they, they're able to kind of understand in that moment maybe what readiness looks like, but they don't know necessarily what behaviors um, helped them get to that ready point or what behaviors might have, um, you know, hurt their ability to kind of get um, to, you know, achieve optimal readiness. So um, really, this is what I think the app, the app wrestles to the ground in a very elegant, simple way is just this visibility into your own physiological data so you can make more intelligent uh, choices about your body. So the three, the three main pieces that you get are, it sounds like, is it's going to be strain in terms of how much you, you, uh, you know, effort or strain you've put out that day, yep. where you're at in terms of recovery towards optimal performance, and then yep. what you need from a sleep standpoint on the third screen here to yep. be able to make sure that you're ready for a peak performance the next day. Is that accurate? That's exactly right. Yep. Excellent. As well. So you can see sleep performance, day strain, hours of sleep, resting heart rate, heart rate variability and um, any workouts they might have tracked that day. And you can see a one-day view, one week, two months. So if you look at that little red button at the top, um, you can kind of go back in time. So you can do some retrospective analysis. Um, and we always have that team average in there as well. And you can put it in any order you want. I'm highlighting, I'm on recovery. So that, that will um, kind of give me the order highest to lowest value. Um, but you can do that across all the metrics. So this would be the screen like this morning when I'm over with SMU football, yeah. their strength coach is going to log in. He's going to be able to look and see all the players that are there and all the players that are tagged, let's say with red from recovery. So yep. if I pull that screen back up, all the players that are tagged with red in recovery, meaning they're probably in a state where they, they're going to have a decreased performance. They could have yeah. a chance of increasing injury. Like they can monitor that and kind of give them a different type of workout. Is that accurate? 
Totally. And we can have, you know, with some of the football teams that we're working with currently, you know, they'll have the different position coaches will have their team on their own dashboard. So they'll see their own team use. So they'll see quarterbacks, they'll see um, special teams, offensive line, defensive line, for example, and they'll be able to go on. And again, yep, athletes would be bucketed based on how their, you know, um, you know, what their recovery is for that day. If you click on, um, so there's an overview, uh, strain, recovery, sleep. If you clicked on recovery, team view, you'd see just recovery metrics of, of, of all your all your team. And then you'd also see subjective inputs. So we have a quick subjective questionnaire that pops up. It doesn't impact any of our algorithms, but the subjective questionnaire pops up and will basically ask questions around soreness. So I don't think I have a visual of that, but that's powerful in that, um, you know, we're, it's this, uh, this is all about the heart, right? Whoop. Um, so we don't necessarily, we can't understand neuromuscular fatigue, but what this wellness questionnaire does is it, is it, it gives some context around that recovery score. For example, if an athlete is 97%, um, you know, uh, has a 97% recovery, um, but they are experiencing a lot of soreness, you might want to deal with that athlete differently that day. So you might want to reduce their, um, you know, their lifting workout, or, you know, you might want to modify, um, so I think it gives like a really nice picture, a complete picture of kind of how they're experienced. You know, um, the questions give, I think, a, a good context around that um, recovery metric. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, you know, I, I've worked with some teams that have used various GPS trackers. And I yes. know sometimes they'll look at an athlete and see, I don't get to always see the backside of it, but the distance yeah. that they've gone. Right. There might not be running as fast. Yep. Yeah, I'll go back off the next day. And I've seen basketball teams that have used heart rate monitors, and then they'll kind of use that to, to determine the next day's sort of workouts based off of how much yeah. they played and things like that. And it sounds like Whoop kind of takes all of that and simplifies it and puts it together. And the thing I love about the the, the band is, like I'm charging mine right now because yeah. it's got this little, you know, this little yeah. um, remote battery pack that goes on so you never have to physically take it off but for a football player that you know is tackling and things like that do they where do they do they use the bicep band do they tape it up how would they use that as a football player so that wouldn't break in practice um like daryl stuckey for example you'll see pictures of him he just tapes it you know he just puts athletic tape and then a sleeve over it um a lot of the basketball players if you know you go online and um you know, and a lot of the basketball players, I, you know, I think DeAndre Jordan, it's safe for me to say um, that he uses it because he tweets about it um, as well as Blake Griffin. But they just, you know, uh, they just tape it for practice and, and you know, they're, they, you know, they don't miss a beat. Um, and then our NHL athletes are, are starting to wear it on their bicep. Um, that seems to be the best place for, for those guys. So um, there is a lot of flexibility on the arm in terms of where you wear it and you just have to tape it, wear a sleeve. And, yeah, you can wear it during games as long as it's approved, um, you know, for your particular league. And is it NCAA approved, you know? Um, I think it varies uh, per sport, um, honestly. Like, I know that they have different um, different uh, conferences and uh, have, have different rules around around athlete monitoring. Um, but I think, you know, all the, the monitoring, you know, you mentioned some of the external um, load. And, you know, I think in those, I used all those systems. And um, But, again, it was just during practice. I think the value of, of WHOOP is really this 24-7 picture. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think uh, really changes. Just gives you just gives you a better view of of really how the athlete is is managing, um, not just you know the workout and and game stress, but also just all the other factors um, that come into play that that influence their ability to perform um, on game day. Excellent. Well, let's take a look and focus here on maybe the athlete strain part. I know here you've yeah. got a 
uh, <laughs> ice hockey player that I that I saw quite a bit when he was playing. Um, you know, Jack Eichel, and yeah. there's a piece of information on, on Jack. I believe it was Boston College, correct? Yep. Uh, no, Boston University. Boston University. Oh, gosh, you your tongue. Yeah. I know it was one of the two that used to <laughs> beat up on the Vermont Catamounts, but, yeah. uh, you know, I know I had a privilege of working with those guys. But would you talk a little bit about the, kind of this screen that you see about strain and some of the other data that's on there that are provided? Yeah. So on the left, that's the kind of the athlete view. Um, and, you know, this basically on the day strain, um, you can, you can kind of swipe up and you can see kind of a, a summary view of, of what you've done across the week. So this is really trying to mimic what you'd see on the web platform um, and putting the trend view on the app. Um, so this is just a new feature that, that just came out, which is great because the athletes, honestly, they just don't go on the web platform to see the trends the coaches do, but the athletes don't. So we wanted to bring some of those features into into the, the mobile app so the athletes could benefit from those trend views as well. Um, and then you see day strain, average um, heart rate, as well as calories. Um, and then you can um, dig in to, and see the raw data as well. Um, and when the user identifies that they've um, performed an activity, that will get populated into the app and they'll be able to see what, what level of strain they took on during that activity. On the right, that's the coach view. So if they were to click on any one of the names that you saw on the previous screen, um, that would enable you to dig in. Yeah, so if you clicked on, you know, I know you can't see the name, but number one, say, um, that would take you to the view that you just saw. And if you click on, um, you know, strain, recovery, sleep, you'd be able to then dig into any one of those areas. Here we're digging into strain so you can see um, how much time Jack spent in these various um heart rate zones. Um, so again, I think the value there is, is being able to see, um, you know, uh, if what you intended for the workout, if the athlete is kind of hitting um, that target zone uh, and, you know, you can kind of modify accordingly. There's some notes in there and then also some a subjective uh, a questionnaire as well that talks about rate of per perceived exertion, which as we know is, is nice to see if, if those two kind of line up. Yeah, and I've seen some research. I know there's other other you know some of the some of the college teams I've worked with. Their strength coach would have their athletes fill out a perceived exertion kind of recovery yeah. scale, um, which it sounds like now that's all being done right through Whoop on their cell phone. So that when the coach yeah. logs into the to the dashboard to see all of his players, he doesn't have to then go into Excel and tabulate tabulate anything. It's all done right. for. It's all done for you, and and we can we can populate any of this into a CSV. So any of these user inputs can go right into the CSV so you can kind of see them up against um, the objective data that we have going. Um, uh, so I think just in tandem, I think that creates a very powerful, and if you think at, of the, the kind of um, three factors of kind of human performance, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, you've got the external load, the internal load, and the subjective load. And if, if you're able to kind of account for all three of them, I think you've got it's kind of the holy grail, you know, in terms of in terms of monitoring. Sure. Well, if we take a look at the next slide, it kind of shows the pillar of recovery. Let's talk a little bit yeah. about that, if you would. Yeah. So recovery, it, you know, it's on a scale of zero to one hundred, um, and it and again, it takes you, it tells you how capable you are to, to kind of take on strain. Um, and just a little bit about the the score itself, it relies on machine learning algorithms to give the athlete a sense of where the body is compared to um, today compared to baseline. Um, and the three metrics that feed into recovery are resting heart rate, heart rate variability, um, and sleep performance. And as we know, Brian, I know you know this, you know, there's, there's a lot of literature, a lot of research that, um, you know, that, that, that 
tells us that these all three of these things play a really important role in determining how physiologically ready one is to reap the benefits of training on a given day. Um, so this view really, um, the, again, the app on the left, this is what the athlete would see. They swipe up, they get the, the overview for the week. So they can kind of see, okay, a couple green, yellow, red, yellow. Wow, I'm trending back up. Awesome. And it's not bad to be in yellow and, and red necessarily. That means that, you know, you're going to have to push your body um, you just don't want to push it over the edge. And, and that's where I think this data becomes really valuable for a strength and conditioning coach, coach to just monitor to make sure that there isn't this, you know, kind of um, cycle of decline that, that keeps going on. So I think the value of this data is being able to course correct. So before an athlete falls off that cliff, gets injured, gets sick, you know, weakens immune, um, you know, all the things that can come from, um, you know, burning the candle at both ends and not getting optimal recovery you know, you're able to intervene faster, you know, because you have this data, you have this insight, um, you know, you just, you can really start to, to balance strain and recovery in an optimal way. Yeah. I mean, just having done my first Ironman in the last year, I can, I, I wish I had had this last fall when, you know, you're on, you're traveling and you're on the road and then you're trying to train yeah. and, and you're like, well, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm fatigued, but maybe I'm just being weak mentally. Let me push through. And the next thing you know, you get injured or you get sick. And it would be really nice just to have that data to be able to say, okay, maybe I do need to cut it back a little bit, or maybe I am being weak and I need to push harder. My data says that I'm recovered. Love that you said that. Cause I, you know, I had at Princeton, my girls were so tough, you know, they were just, they were so tough and they never wanted to say, they never wanted to take a day off. And um, and another reason why I was trying to pursue, you know, uh, some technology like this, because I, you know, this just made it, it was like, Hey, this is what the data says. It didn't make it personal. It didn't make it, it wasn't me saying that they were weak or that, or that them saying that, that I'm not tough enough to tough it out. You know, this is really to us. And, um, I, I think that just, it just makes for a, a heck of a lot of better conversation, uh, than when you're trying to, you know, guess, um, wow, she looks really tired. She doesn't, she's not just doesn't seem like herself out there. You know, this, this kind of takes all of that guesswork off the table. And, and, um, and frankly, it, you don't even get to that place um, when you have technology like this, because you can, you, you course correct so much faster. Totally. Talk a little bit about the, the next one of the pillars, which is sleep and kind of, you know, we, we've had Dr. James Moss, who is a professor at Cornell, another Ivy leaguer right. for 48 years. And he's yeah. talking about, the importance of sleep and is through his books, power sleep and sleep to win and sleep for success. And totally just, there's so many different ways to measure it. Have you, yep. we, had, uh, we had the CEO, Leslie Lepicorpi of the company called bet it, which was nice. a strap that goes across your bed. Yep. An athlete, when you're going on the road and you're staying in different places, sometimes you forget to strap or it doesn't hook yep. up because there's not an outlet close enough. So yeah. it sounds like loop is kind of keeping track of a lot of that for you as well. Is that accurate? It definitely is. And, you know, as you know, biological sleep is, is probably the most important human behavior, you know, we have. So it's, it's something that we need to pay a lot of attention to. And, you know, I think, I think from, you know, just coming from an environment at like Princeton where, you know, I think kids would walk around t-shirts, you know, sleep is for the week, you know, and, and I feel like now I think that mindset is starting to shift a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of education, um, you know, schools are investing in, in education around sleep to help students understand the importance of it. But, Honestly, what's crazy is, is you don't know until you start to track. I mean, I'll have, you know, athletes, this is the first thing that we notice when athletes come on the system, they'll be like, oh my gosh, Kristen, you know, I, I thought I was sleeping for eight and a half, eight and a half hours, but I actually was only asleep for seven hours and 14 minutes, you know? So this allows you down to the minute 
you know, it allows you to understand exactly how much sleep you're really getting. Um, it allows you to see the disturbances um, that happen across the night. Um, most athletes are, are really are good sleepers are getting less than 10 disturbances a night because they've accounted for all the things that go on from a sleep hygiene standpoint. They have that wrestled to the ground. Um, you know, they, they wear eye masks. You know, there's no light pollution. They, they wear earplugs. You know, they do all the things that, that championship sleepers do to make sure they're, they're, they're um, you know, being as efficient as, as possible when they put their head down um, their pillow, you know, on the pillow at night. Um, but, yeah, that's what, you know, this pillar does is allows you to quantify all that um, and really give um, great feedback, I think, to the athlete um, uh, to, to how they can kind of right the ship if, if sleep is a problem. Yeah, I mean, even last night myself, I think I got in bed at 10 and woke up this morning at 4. So you're thinking, okay, well, if I get in bed at 10 and I get up at 4, I'm getting six hours of sleep. But then as I was looking looking at my performance data for today before the call, it said I got four hours of sleep. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, and I think about, well, how many times did I go to the bathroom? Or I had my dog sleeping with me, and how many times did they keep you out of getting into a deep sleep or whatever it is, you know? So it's really yeah. the time your head hits the pillow until your alarm goes off is not the actual amount of time that you're getting sleeping. But that's what we, I think, often athletes factor it in. They think, well, I'm getting six when really they're probably getting a lot less. Is that accurate? That's, that's very accurate. Yeah. And, and I think what we see, and, and I'll get into some of the, the data, but, you know, athletes, when they start to recognize this, they end up dedicating more time to sleep, you know, so they go to bed earlier. They, you know, that through the education that we do with, with the teams that we work with, you know, we really help them understand how to optimize their pre-bed routine. You know, what are the nitty gritty details? Um, you know, how do you mitigate uh, negative stress accumulation, you know, throughout the day? You know, how do you incorporate mindfulness and meditation and, and what what impact does that have on your autonomic nervous system? How does that impact HRV? How does that uh, impact sleep latency? So there, you know, there's a lot of education, I think, that that um, that, that we do that we would love to do that really help athletes um, dial in and, and, and figure out how to optimize um, sleep. Excellent. Talk about kind of how, you know, you mentioned a little bit already here about kind of how you know, whoop helps the athletes to make better decisions. And around, I thought one of the ones that was most fascinating to me was the amount of less alcohol that was consumed, yes. which I think is is something that you know, eighteen to twenty year old college athletes think just is like hydrating with water. I I know, right? Um, and it it is funny, I, and it, it's not just the young kids. You know, it's I'm working with a, a NBA athlete who um he went out pretty hard over the All Star break, and um and after that he was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to drink anymore. It, you know, the performance cost of drinking is just, it's, it's really high. And I, and I think we see these behavior modifications, a reduction of 79%, um, you know, a reduction in, in alcohol consumption by 79%. We see that because athletes see their data and they see what happens when they drink. They see an increase of disturbances, almost double. They see, um, you know, a resting heart rate increase um, by, you know, I'll show you the data in a second. Um, I gosh, I think it's almost double. Um, they see a decrease in heart rate variability. They see a suppressed recovery, not just one day after a drinking event, but up to five days. Mm. And um, I think it just it it doesn't mean it doesn't mean uh, athletes aren't going to drink, but they end up drinking a heck of a lot less. And we see this across all of our athletes, which is really cool. Um, and you know, dedication. They dedicate 41 more minutes uh, 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 to sleep. Uh, per night on average, we see an increase. We see a huge physiological um, uh, uh, kind of cardiovascular improvement um, in four months on the, on, the, on the platform. And I'll, I'll show you this with some data, real data 
um, toward the end of the presentation, but an increase of heart rate, heart rate variability by eight milliseconds, which is huge, a decrease in resting heart rate by 4.4 beats per minute, which also and anyone who understands human physiology realizes that that's um, pretty significant in four months. And then, you know, reported of less injury. And, and then we also see just another behavior modification is a, is a decrease in um, screen use before bed. As we know, that, I know that blue light, you just don't realize that, you know, blue light is going to suppress melatonin production, right? So um, when you have exposure to that before bed, it really does get in the way of your sleep, not just your ability to fall asleep, but it will, you know, crush your sleep cycles um, for the rest of the night. Well, then there's the whole other piece that goes with it of the, you know, the attention residue, right? And for anybody who's listening to this that has gotten a text message or gotten that email or seen something and then they go, okay, let me put my phone away. And then you're laying in bed thinking about it the whole time, right? It's the attention residue. It's like that follows you and you have a harder time falling asleep, not just the blue light, like as you said, that suppresses the melatonin, but just the thought patterns that come from being on your phone and from the just the, the addiction of I'm just going to go look mindlessly at social media or do other things. Yeah. My one tip for athletes is, hey, put your bed. If you're going to use your phone as your alarm, put it so that you cannot physically reach it while you're in bed. You're not going to be on it. And then when it goes off in the morning, you're going to force yourself to get up and set a snooze bar. But I think that I love the piece about you can actually now quantify that they're decreased yep. screen use in bed. And I think, you know, and I think as athletes, like we all, and just as human beings, we all kind of, I think we'd all say, yeah, I know drinking doesn't, you know, hurts me. Like I know it doesn't help performance, but to actually see it in black and white, yep. I think that's what is, um, I think that's what creates this change of behavior. Cause a coach all day can tell their athletes they need to sleep more. They need to drink less, but, but it's, you know, I, I don't know how, how much that, that works. You know, I think seeing this, this data, I think that what we've seen is, is really, um, you know, change behavior. And this is just, um, a study that we did, um, looking at alcohol consumption across our NC2A population. Um, and you can see, uh, you know, the resting heart rate after not drinking and then the resting heart rate after drinking, obviously a, a massive increase. Um, and then also a huge reduction in heart rate variability. So, you know, when it comes down to it, it's just uh, how, how much, how, how much is drinking really worth, really worth it, you know? Well, for the well, college, for the college, 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 yeah, and and they'll see it. You know, they'll they'll see the the performance cost of that heavy heavy night out, and and that's where I really encourage our NC two A coaches to actually make sleep, uh, to hide sleep to make it private because athletes will see this on their own. They don't need a coach telling them to to make these changes. They will see it in their sleep. They'll see it in their recovery. Um, so I think by hiding sleep, um, you really do put the onus on the athlete. And from what I've seen, they take their own action. They don't, they don't need the, the coach coming down on them with, with numbers as it relates to this. They do it on their own. Wonderful. Yeah. Could you, is it possible to get some feedback through the speakers in your laptop? Can you tune me down just a little bit on your side and see if that fixes the echo that we're getting? Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's it or not, but that oh, no. sounds like that might have fixed it. Can you still hear me? I can hear you. Yep. All right, let's rock and roll. So we'll talk, talk a little bit about the uh, recovery suppression sort of post drinking and that, that, that slide. Yeah. So this is, so you, you won't return to your, in this case, so this athlete doesn't return to their baseline until day, until day five. Okay. So they were suppressed. Their, their baseline recovery was suppressed for up to five days post drinking event. Got it. Got so it. it's, 
it takes takes a while. So I think most people think it's just going to take a day to recover. Um, and, and that's not, not the case. You know, as we see in the data, it takes up to five. Yeah. How about that? So it's a lot of it is just kind of building that awareness about how all their choices and things affect their body's ability to recover and then perform again. Exactly. And, you know, again, the, one of our MLB coaches calls this app, the wisdom accelerator, which is kind of cool. You know, it accelerates wisdom. And again, by, by giving your athletes, um, I think the, uh, investing in your athlete in, in the way that in, in, by giving them access to their own um, physiological data, I think is, is really important. And um, I think a great first step, you know, to, to build that awareness toward elite performing behaviors and elite performing mindset. Um, and this is just, yeah, that was just some data around the recovery and um, how we see a recoveries, uh, more green days as opposed to red days, because they're thinking about sleep in a different way. They're thinking about their hydration and their, um, you know, their sleep and, and all that. And this is just kind of a high level view of the, of the recovery. Um, uh, and you can see lots of things affect recovery, fitness level, health, behavior, stress, diet, hydration, recent strain and sleep. So the recovery score basically kind of takes all of that into consideration um, and, and kind of buckets it in this very kind of simple, um, you know, kind of uh, stoplight uh, uh, visual. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Talk a little bit about some of the, so I know you've hit, hit on some of this research already, but a little bit of the, some of the case study kind of outlines that you all have put together. Yeah. So this is just, this is one, and, and we've done many types like this, but I thought this one was kind of cool just to pull out one example. And this is an NBA athlete and their first two months on the system. So I'm just going to take you kind of through a journey of, of, of what the, um, what he looks like from a strain sleep and recovery perspective across these two months. So um, yeah, you can go to the next one. So this first, um, and this is the web. So I literally just kind of um, took this from the web, um, the web platform. So again, this is what the coach would see. So this is the first month, and you can see the strain, the blue line, zero to twenty-one scale, and the recovery is the multicolor red, green, yellow, um, zero to one hundred. You can see that they're mapping really far apart. So this first month, I think the the coaches were just kind of seeing how this athlete responds to strain. We're, they weren't really actioning the data. So this is the first month. Um, you can see, again, big, uh, not really the strain and uh, the load isn't necessarily corresponding with uh, the amount of recovery that was needed. And if you go to the next month, you can see um, this is where the, the coach is now starting to action the strain. So um, if the strain is really high, they prioritize recovery the next day to get the athlete back to baseline. So again, the, the philosophy, of course, is, is you want to try to manage that load, um, map, uh, strain, and recovery as close together as possible so you can keep this athlete firing on all cylinders across the season. First month sleep, um, this athlete's average sleep performance was 75.6%, and you can see that he's, he's spending some good time in that peak zone, but he definitely has a lot of days where he's really missing the mark from a sleep performance standpoint. Second month, you can see that just through education, awareness, um, maybe taking, you know, some different steps um, from the sleep hygiene, you know, kind of buttoning things up. He's now really in that um, kind of peak zone uh, a heck of a lot more and, and definitely is um, not in that uh, low uh, zone, uh, really barely at, at all compared to that previous month. So just in one month, 
you know, it's a, it's an increase, um, an improvement of, of up to 10%. It's fascinating. If you go back to the first month, you see all the, all the dips, right? Which might be travel. This might be partying. This might just be up watching TV or whatever it is. But if you look at the second month, he just totally recommitted himself to recovery. It'd be fascinating to see his scoring percentage during those two months. I'm going to show you. How about that? Awesome. And then, but, but before we get there, go back one more. Um, the athlete in the second month stopped playing video games after 4 p.m. Wow. So, I, you know, and again, this isn't a, a scientific direct correlation, but he, he started, he did change some behaviors that I think really helped him um, improve his sleep efficiency. Oh, awareness, I mean, awareness is the precursor to all behavior change, isn't it? It is. It you know, is. What, well what you're unaware yeah. of, you're never going to change, right? And what you're aware of, you can change, especially when you see the data, right? It's not necessarily, exactly. well, how do I feel? Because how you feel is irrelevant. It, let's look at the data and see how you're actually performing and where you're at and then use maybe feel on to, you know, as an addition to that. But we got to get the numbers. And I think this is breakthrough and going to help a lot, of, a lot of performance. I'm excited to see the next slide about how the, the scoring went up. Yeah. So, okay, go skip, skip path. Let's go to the next one. Okay. So this is, this is really interesting. So the first, so the, who's a Ford. Um, so this first column shows 2016 without whoop. So no guidance whatsoever into sleep strain recovery, not really looking at the load of the athlete, um, or, you know, really, really anything. Um, this is, he was not being monitored at all. So you can look at the difference between the first column and then the second column when he was using whoop in the exact same time period. And he was healthy in both of these time periods. Um, played, um, he played actually fewer minutes in this second column than he did in the first column, um, but was more obviously a heck of a lot more effective. He almost doubled his points total assists, rebounds remain the same, but you can see the improvement in his field goal percentage and, um, you know, pretty much the same in free throw percentage, but I think the the points per game is is pretty shocking. Wow. Yeah, it'd be interesting too if you did a you know a study where you just asked him how how he felt and how much more confident he was or how much more prepared he was. What it, you know what it would have uh, what he would have said would have been fast. Yeah, I mean, I definitely you know from just talking to to folks and and we do have some questionnaires about energy levels. Um, I think people do have an increase in energy. Um, the mood. And one of our swim coaches at, at Penn State University, just an awesome guy, um, he had a, a great quote. He just said, you know, my when the when he's like, I don't really know a whole lot about data, but all I know is is my kids, then they step on the pool deck, they're they're happier, they, you know, they're in a better mood. And he's like, you know, I, it's it's probably just because they're sleeping more. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's something to be said for that for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. And kind of you talked a little bit about the engagement with Whoop and how it translates to optimal performance. Yeah, so I think you know that last slide was just one example, but I think this just shows across you know a lot of different disciplines. Um, you know, we look at forty-three. We're looking at swimmers here, um, actually. Um, you know, athletes who are more engaged on the on the platform, they just they achieved better race time and in um, in the championships than the teammates who were less engaged. So. Um, visibility of the data, engagement in the platform um, will help you perform better is really what we've been able to prove. Love it. And this is another example. This was actually the 2015-16 season. We followed uh, an athlete uh, the entire season. And um, this is a pretty compelling. Um, when you look at his recovery, when it was in the green, um, what his, what his uh, stats were versus when he was in the red. 
Um, so, you know, just this idea that whoop recovery correlates with performance um, is something that we've been able to prove time and time again. Uh, so I wanted to go through the MLB uh, study a bit. I know you've got a lot of folks um, uh, who you work with are in that baseball world. Um, and we actually, we do not have one NC2A baseball or softball client, which is uh, shocking. Right after this one, we'll see. Because I know there's, you know there's now coaches that are, that are million-dollar men in college baseball. So we'll yeah. see if a little bit behind, unfortunately, but it's coming. No, I know. I hope so. You know, cause I, this is a, a population I work a whole lot with. I work with uh, 13 major league organizations and um, just have, a, they're just awesome guys. And, uh, and I, I just really see a place for this and in, in certainly in NC, at the NC2A level. But um, so we were able to see, uh, see a, par, a positive correlation between whoop recovery and pitch velocity. Um, so uh, I, I think from what this is compelling is just Shoot, if you have a higher recovery, you're going to throw the ball faster. Um, and that's just the bottom line. So there's there's a lot of incentive, um, again, by putting guys on the mound who have a high recovery because they're going to throw the ball faster. Um, same with ex exit bat velocity. Um, we also saw a very strong correlation. Um, guys who were more recovered, um, they swung the ball faster, uh, swung, swung the bat faster, um, which is what that means, right? Exit bat velocity? Yeah, exit velocity would be the ball coming off the bat. Oh, coming off the bat. Okay. So, but I would imagine that's getting your hands through. Yep. yep. Something for that. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and this I thought was really interesting. So I think, uh, I think normally it's like five days, right? That you give yeah. pitchers off, yeah, but five. we actually saw um, pitchers were fully recovered um, after three days. Hmm. So they returned to their baseline after three days rest. Wow. It's kind of interesting, right? Um, you know, I don't know. And we're, we're, we're working with a, a quite a few different major league teams right now trying to really nail this down and, and try to see, wow, you know, what – because everyone is going to respond differently, right? So five days for one guy might be what he needs, but another guy might need three days. You know, might another guy might need four days. So being able to kind of customize that across your bullpen, I think uh, there's a lot of people wanting to figure that out. So mm – -hmm. Well, in baseball, it's always been five days just because that's what it's always been, right? Wow, I mean, there's a lot, so there's cool. a lot of uh, old school, that's just the way it's been. So yeah, yeah. To, you know, trying to back all that up, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, and it, I think it's just, you know, asking questions of the data, you know, and, and really see, try to figure out, well, what does this really, what does this really mean? And, um, you know, and, and can we do things differently, you know, and, and not just, and again, I think we, we have to be really careful about assigning um, protocol across an entire team because every single person is uh, well, performance is highly graphic as we know, but how people respond physiologically is very, very different. And I, we almost need to start to treat our athletes like triathletes, you know, in the sense that we're really customizing training based on how they are adapting or, you know, or how they're not adapting to the various demands that, that come across their life. And I think if we could do that, we'd have a healthier team and, and a higher performing team. For sure, for sure. Um, talked about like the travel a little bit now with James. Yeah. Martin, we talked a little bit about the travel and time zones and using the light book and an eye mask and all those things when you're traveling. Talk a little bit about some of what you learned with the recovery from a before travel baseline. Yeah, so it usually takes a couple of days to um, to recover after travel. It doesn't, you know, same time zone. Um, you know, when you're definitely crossing time zone, it's going to take a, a bit longer. Um, but travel definitely has, has an impact. Um, it's interesting because I, I did a analysis with NBA and I actually saw the opposite and, and this was not, uh, this was across, um, this was across, uh, five, five athletes, but 
the five athletes all have families. Um, they have young kids. So their home environment actually is a lot less conducive for sleeping. Um, so when they go away, they actually, they, they actually sleep better and um, recover better, which is really funny. So um, I think that was, again, data, you know, and that, and, you know, they went home and like, okay, we need to figure out how to, how to improve the, the home environment a little bit so they can um, get the sleep that they need. Sure. I know I've heard Yale, Yale football coaches saying that the best night they sleep is the Friday night before the game when they're on the road. <laughs> <laughs> so when you've got your game plan done, like you're all, there's nothing more you can do. No doubt. Yep, no doubt. I hear that. Um, and this, this is just an example of some of the cardiovascular improvements we saw um, in the, the Major League Baseball study that we did. Again, this is across 230 athletes um, in the 2016 season. And we saw just two months on the platform, we saw a reduction in, heart, in resting heart rate. Um, which again, that's a good thing and an increase in heart rate variability, which is a good thing. Um, so, you know, this just basically, um, demonstrates that, um, you know, athletes on the system improve cardiovascular fitness. And a lot of this has to do with just by prioritizing, you know, sleep, changing behaviors, um, all of that is going to affect your capacity for effort, right? So if you can give more stands to reason, you will improve, um, your fitness levels, which is what we saw, um, in the time of the athletes on the platform. Um, and then this is just another kind of view of the dashboard. We actually were able to kind of dig into this, this pretty well. Um, but this just gives a, just a quick rundown of, of what this dashboard view kind of gives a coach. Um, you can again, monitor the sleep efficiency. Um, yeah, you can, you can blow through that. It's fine. Um, we can go to the next one. Um, we do, we have tons of reports, which are really, uh, I think interesting and kind of help coaches, um, understand at a higher level um, how the athletes are responding. This is just a quick um, weekly view, weekly report that a coach could get that just shows at a high level um, how well they're balancing kind of strain and recovery across the, the week. Um, and this is actually a two-week view, and you can kind of see the two weeks, um, the, the, the you know, week one, week two kind of up against each other. And you can see this coach is, is really mapping um, strain and recovery uh, almost perfectly. Um, so this is a, a really great example. Um, I think the other way, uh, and this is a, this is a VIP report. Um, this is what the athletes get. So this goes directly to the athletes, um, in their inbox on a weekly or, um, you know, bi-monthly basis. They're able to basically kind of see a summary of their, uh, recovery, what they did for workouts. And we also give them some insight into what behaviors correlated to a higher level of performance. So it's just, a I think a nice touch point with the athlete and again, driving this, um, you know, this, uh, kind of, uh, with the, we really want to try to empower the athlete. So I think that's what this report kind of helps us do. Great. And this is a, uh, a, a view. This is another report that we send out again. Um, just a high level view. You can see that left, that left box is resting heart rate, heart rate variability on the right trending in the right direction. And then basically all of our sleep metrics, uh, that we track. And I think this is a really a powerful report for a captain, for example, or, you know, uh, um, that's how we kind of used it toward the back end of the season last year, um, just as a, it's an, you can't tell who it is, right? So each little data point is an aggregate view of the entire team. So uh, we also have these for individual athletes as well, but this happens to be one that shows a, a view of the entire team. And where this, I think, is really helpful is a captain can kind of say, wow, guys, well, what, hey, we're, we're trending in the right direction. We're about to get into playoffs, like keep it up. Like 
you know, just using data to kind of um, talk to the team and, and give some insights around where they can improve and where, where they're, what they're doing really well. Hey, we're asleep. We're starting to accumulate some sleep debt here. Let's try to keep this under 30 minutes um, going forward. They actually can start to set like tangible goals based on data based on statistics. And I, and I think that's where you really start to, to gain some ground in, in an environment and, and really improve a culture. I think that's wonderful. Kristen, thank you for, for taking the time to join us here on the podcast. We're going to get to some of our Inner Circle members' questions as well as some of the questions that I've got for you. Awesome. Uh, the contact information, is it best for them to contact you, win at whoop.com and on the phone number yep, yep. here? Yep, that works perfectly. And Excellent. call anytime, email. Yep. Excellent. Well, let's go... Uh, Let's go to let's go to some questions here from our inner circle members, which I'll be able to pull up here. And uh, Jacob Armstrong comes in with a question of what is the biggest obstacle to overcome with a new technology like Whoop and old school coaches? Yeah, uh, it, it is tough. I'm not going to lie, um, but I think when you start to I think showing a whole lot of numbers is definitely not the way to go about it. I think it's, it's sharing some stories. Um, uh, I think sometimes just getting an athlete to use it and, and endorse it from inside can be really, um, really valuable. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, uh, I, and so a lot of these coaches who are kind of older school, you know, are also really successful too. And it, and, uh, I think it, it can be hard to convince those guys, but I, I just think that if you can get across that there's another layer, uh, another level that the team can get to if you start to quantify the, the right things. Um, again, you don't have to you don't have to measure everything, but if you measure uh, recovery and you measure and you measure sleep and you measure strain, then you you're three quarters of the way there. And, and I think getting a coach to, to recognize that, you know, this isn't going to go away. And, and if you don't start collecting data, your competitors will. And there's going to be a point where you're not going to be able to catch up. Yeah, and I think another great question brought in, you know, that kind of ties in with the recovery piece and ties in with kind of strain. Because strain, obviously, you're going to be sweating and, and how much you work, depending on environments. Uh, one of the top leading you know, sports nutrition consultants, uh, Brittany Bearden, has a question of did do – you know, does diet and the diet habits that an athlete has, water intake, food, hydration, et cetera, how does that influence the recovery score? Yeah, so one of the inputs in the recovery score is, is heart rate variability. Um, and heart rate variability is such a powerful marker because pretty much everything, everything influences the autonomic nervous system. And that's where heart rate variability is a function of the heart, but it manifests in the, in the autonomic nervous system. So if you are under eating, overeating, you're going to be uh, sending uh, signals to the heart. So you've got the autonomic nervous system is broken into two branches. You've got the, the sympathetic and parasympathetic. When your body is stressed, it's going to send signals to the heart from the sympathetic branch, right? And that's going to be um, basically saying, okay, I'm, I'm under stress. I need to like uh, perform right now. <laughs> so when those signals are sending um, over and over again, um, that's going to reduce your heart rate variability, which is going to um, uh, make you less able to adapt to your environment, which is going to influence your recovery score. So, so high uh, diet, hydration absolutely influences your autonomic nervous system, which is reflected in our recovery score. 
Wonderful. Any other questions coming in from uh, Inner Circle members? Go ahead and post your question in the comment section here on our Inner Circle members only Facebook page. We'll take those questions. We'll put them up on the screen and have Kristen answer them for you. Kristen, one of the questions that I would have would be for for a coach or somebody that wants to get involved and they've got to come up with with a budget to try to work with Whoop. What what, what kind of uh, financial investment is a is a program looking at to get started with Whoop? Yeah, I mean, I would say to come in at the we have three different levels of of service software and analytics. So the hardware is basically three seventy five, um, and if you go online and, and purchase it, it's five hundred. So there's a little bit of a kind of a price break there, um, and then the service software and analytics kind of gets more expensive the more service software and analytics you desire. So um, the base level is kind of our bronze level. And um, that's about $720 uh, per athlete um, per year. Um, so it, you know, it's, I think, not, not too huge of, of an event. I mean, it depends on how big your team is. But um, there are price breaks at 50. Um, and Brian, I can send you the pricing sheet um, for you to kind of post for your, for your, your inner circle. Right. Um, but that's kind of, a, you know, just how, it, how we break it down. Um, and I would say just to get your feet wet with the technology, I would come in at, at bronze and then you can, and then you'll start to, to recognize, okay, what kind of questions do I actually want to ask about the data? And then that's where we can get really into the reporting. Um, one of my favorites is the re experiment report, which basically allows you to kind of test, um, see how athletes are responding to something new you're doing in your environment. So let's say you're incorporating um, a new weight, a, a new strength and conditioning program, and you want to see... Um, how your athletes are kind of responding to that. You can actually do a little report that kind of shows you exactly, you know, the baseline of your athletes across the metrics that we track up against the experiment timeframe. Um, you can do that with nutritional in interventions. Let's say a team starts working with you, for example, you know, what was their baseline before you? And then what was it after you? Once you start giving them, you know, the, all the interventions that you put in place to kind of help them think about performance. So there's awesome. lots of different reports like that. Yeah. Got a question. That's awesome. Money. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And, yeah. and what question from, from Dane Oliver. He's a little bit late to the party coming in here from Montana. Okay. Dane is a, is an athletic director, high school football coach. Yeah. And I think the question he's asking and that comes to my mind is let's say he wanted to, to use whoop with his team. And, yeah. Um, as a high school athletic director and coach, wasn't able to provide a whoop a whoop band for all of his athletes. Would it be beneficial to take a sample size of his athletes, maybe the, the eleven that are playing the most, or maybe two yeah. position? And is that seem beneficial in terms of just kind of quantifying data? I know it's an individual, but can they use it that way as well? I know catapult that yep. uh, one of the football teams I work with uses. They don't have everyone in it, just only certain athletes. Yep, you can definitely do that. Uh, you know, uh, University of Tennessee actually that's how they got onto the system early on, and um, you know it kind of grew from ten to, to twenty to twenty five, and now they're up to like a hundred, I think, um, at that university. And and how they went about it is that they put it on. Um, you know, the athletes who are really serious, you know, they put it on the captains and they kind of created a culture around it. You know, they say hash, hashtag Tennessee trained, you know, is those are the people who wear whoop, you know, they're the ones who are serious about their, their craft and they're serious about performance and um, they want to optimize, you know, all their behaviors so they can be the, the best athlete for UT possible. So I guess my recommendation would be, yeah, go ahead and um, yeah, go ahead and take um, a small, small group, with it within that um, population who you think is really going to take to it. 
um, and uh, yeah, get them using it. And hopefully, you know, they can evangelize, you know, throughout the team and, and get more, more athletes on it. Love it. Love it. Again, we're speaking with Kristen Holmes, win of whoop. You can contact Kristen at win at whoop.com. Her phone number is here as well. Check them out at whoop.com slash elite. And Kristen, my, my question for you is what question has not been asked that should have been asked by one of our guests? Uh, or yeah. is there one? Yeah. Um, I think just uh, just really understanding the power of HRV and, and that metric, um, just not just understanding like the general mental and physical well-being of your student athlete. Uh, there's just no better marker. And and I think, we you know, when we think about technology, um, it's it's really it's I think whoop in particular, it's, it's about helping them think about lifestyle. And it, it's not just about being a better you know, insert your sport, basketball player, football player, baseball player. It's about being a better student, a, a better friend, um, a better mom, better dad, you know, wh- whatever it is that you're trying, you're trying, you're trying to do in your life. And, and you can't, you can't do that if you don't prioritize sleep, if you don't prioritize recovery. And um, I think that's what the power of this platform really, really, um, really brings. And, um, and, you know, and that's why I believe in it, <laughs> you know, in the way that I do that. I just think it's, it's hard to, it's hard. You have to start to measure stuff or you just are kind of guessing and, um, and life is too short. Yeah. Life is too short and the athletic opportunity is too it's short. really short. Yeah. Look at what Theo Epstein did, not only with the Boston Red Sox as the general manager, but now with the Chicago Cubs and taking, yeah. taking a data-based approach and then coupling that with the, if you read his book, The Cubs Way, which is one of the best books I've ever read, especially in the last you know a couple of years, because uh, I've seen them go from last to world champions. Incredible. It talks about the the data and the metrics and the measurement, the whole you know new Cubs facility with sleep rooms and yep. uh, you know aqua flotation tanks and yoga rooms and Pilates rooms in terms of recovery and regeneration, but then also the character piece that ties into it. I think when you put all that stuff together, it's a significant win. But if your athletes aren't recovered, it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how great your culture is. If you're not at an optimal level for performance, you will be beat by someone who is maybe with less talent and with less culture. Yep. Yeah. So well said. Yep. Absolutely. So for all the coaches that are on the call, again, thank you for for joining us. Again, if you want to contact Kristen, please head over to whoop.com. Contact her via email. Give her a call. Kristen, thank you so much for being on the Peak Performance Podcast. It was outstanding. And I'm looking forward to a continued relationship and continuing for myself to recover yeah. using my whoop band and report back to you smashing Iron Man times. And not I love it. Time. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you for being with us so much. Appreciate it. And dominate your day. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Peak Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a positive review or share a link to this episode on social media using hashtag PeakPod. Mention Brian Kane and one thing you learned in this episode for your chance to win a free ticket to the next Brian Kane Experience live event. Dominate the day.